Molly, it's been eight days since we last recorded, and yet it feels like there's a ton that we got to catch up on. Yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a of an avalanche uh, of injuries for this Rangers team, but let's let's not press the panic button because it is early November. So better for them to get it all out of their system now rather than in February or March. So I think all is still okay in Rangers land. Well, we're going to get all the news and such out of our systems on this episode. And of course, Brian Boyle will be joining us. It's all coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats podcast from the New York Post. And it starts right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. All right, we're back. And it feels like it's been forever, honestly. Uh, So much has gone on. But at least there's one thing that we know for sure, that the Rangers, they're staying hot. The win streak might have been snapped since we last spoke, but their point streak has been extended to eight games after the win against Detroit on Tuesday night. And they look to take that into their rematch up with the Wild tonight at the Garden. So if you're hearing this right now, hopefully it's before the game and we don't jinx anything for whatever we say. But if we do, it's totally not our fault. But uh, to recap where we've been, the Rangers have won seven of the last eight, eight of the last 10. They are first in the Metro, second in the East, and fourth overall in the league. I mean, what more could you possibly want out of this Rangers team? But look, before we get into the nitty gritty, we got to welcome in the rest of the podcast group here. Besides myself, Andrew Hartz, we have the New York Rangers beat writer for the New York Post, Miss Molly Walker. Good to see you, Molly, as always. And we also have, of course, as always, the notorious BPB. Go look up his middle name if you want to find out what that P stands for. It's the fabulous Brian Boyle. Uh, Molly, Brian, look, okay. So a lot to get into. Um, obviously the overtime law or the, the shootout loss, the skills competition, which again, don't get me started on that. And I, I can't stand games that end in skills competition, but that, that's a topic for another day. But the most important thing, at least in my mind that we got to get into, which we didn't discuss last week because the episode ended right before everything went down is all these injuries and the ish has hit the fan, if you will, in terms of injuries. And literally, it's been almost, and I'm not saying it's a worst case scenario, but it's pretty much been the worst case scenario that you could possibly want in terms of who's gotten hurt. Igor is banged up. Now Quickie, he's banged up. Uh, You've got Heedle, who's on the IR. But the one that really stands out to me is Adam Fox. And it stands out to me for four letters. That's L-T-I-R. And those are four letters you never want to hear, especially when it's someone like Adam Fox. Just to give those who may not be completely familiar with the LTIR rules, a player must miss at least 10 NHL games and 24 days of the NHL season. So guess what? You're not going to see Adam Fox uh, for a little bit here. But to kick it off, we'll start with you, Brian. We know how significant the injury is. Again, Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox, arguably one of the best players on the team, if you will. I want to get your reaction to the injury, but I also want to get your reaction to the the injury itself, the 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 hit that happened. Lobb said after the game that he looked at it and he didn't like it. What did you think? He's not going to let me. Come on. <laughs> What's he going to say? <laughs> you know, look, a couple things. And if for the diehard Rangers fans, it's which I'm assuming everyone listening to this is, he a positive spin is... It's early November. He doesn't have to play all these games, especially when they are where they are. They're fourth in the whole league right now. They're atop their division right now. They have a chance now to maybe, like I said it before the year, 
you know, Braden Schneider, I think, can be a really, really good player in this league. All right, here's some more minutes. Keandre Miller, here's some more offensive opportunity. You know, Gustafson's been nice. That's he, he's going to get a good look. He's got a month to do it. Different things you can you can try to spin it, and that's what you do when you're in the room. You try to spin it like, all right, here's my chance. Here, here's what I can do. And if they can hold serve and you know win more than they lose with him out because he is that important to them, he'll come back healthy. He'll come back hopefully you know 100 where it's not going to be an issue anymore. And then when it matters more later in the year, because this is this is right now it's a playoff team. It's you know, they're winning games without their two most important players, in my opinion. And that's that's really, or they're getting points anyways. Like this is this is what you want when you build a team. You need that depth. Now the hit itself, it's an accident. All right. Sorry, everybody. It's an accident. So you can cry all you want. The kid's hurt. He's not coming back for a little bit. He'll be back when he is. He's going to be great. Uh, I don't think Aho does that on purpose. It's a weird tangled up. I don't know why his skates were pointed the other direction when the Rangers had full, full possession in the zone. That's just like a a poor read on defense, but you know, it looked like Fox tried to move. And if he just took on the hit dead on, it was fine. But you know, hindsight's 2020. It's, it is what it is. It's not really, these things happen in hockey and sometimes they pile on at, at, at random times throughout the year and just be thankful. It's not March. I also think it's pretty significant for the Rangers in general, just because they have been so fortunate on the injury front in the last few years. I mean, they haven't had to put someone on LTIR for for at least a few seasons here. And for it to be Adam Fox is obviously not ideal, but Brian, I completely agree. I, the fact that it's early November uh, should give some Ranger fans some peace of mind, um, especially when it comes to Igor Shosturkin and now Jonathan Quick. Um, Igor, originally, it was after the Carolina game. People were saying he was just a little banged up. Then it turned into minor soreness. Um, and a day-to-day type situation, but it's November. They are still winning games. You know, you want Igor Shosturkin to be 100% uh, when he's playing, especially because he's had some issues with lower body injuries in the past and, and nagging sorts of situations. So he's obviously their most important player. And the Rangers have not been not apologized for how much they rely on their goaltending. So that's an area that I think the Rangers are always going to be more cautious than not. So as long as they're still piling up the wins, I think that gives Igor Shosturkin and now Jonathan Quick a little bit more um, of a grace period. But I do think it's it's just pretty crazy uh, for it all to come almost in an avalanche sort of format um, after being so, so fortunate the last few years. Uh, but I, th- I think that it could be a good opportunity for, you know, the likes of some of the defensemen who could be getting more time. And I mean, Peter Laviolette loves Eric Gustafson and is more than happy to ride him in all of the situations. Got, that Adam Fox, yeah, he's look what he's done. Yeah, he's been great. He's Plus he's player. A, yeah, he's also he plays such a different style than the rest of the back end, I think. And it's so noticeable in a positive way. He's just constantly moving. He's constantly going. And that's not necessarily the rest of that decor's style of play. Um he's so got I, a wild, yeah. like he's got a wild career arc. Like it's look into him, the potential and what he can do offensively is it's 17 goals one year <laughs> you know, on, on a, on a Blackhawks team that was, you know, I mean, 
didn't I don't think they played in the playoffs that year. He had 17 goals and 60 points. Like he he and then he kind of went away for a while and came back, had a bounce back year a couple seasons ago, uh or last year, I guess, with Wash. He's he's doing it. He's got the offensive acumen to do it. They got enough bruisers back on the D side, I think. That's why I said Miller originally, like this is huge for him. But they're they're going those are their horses, right? They're gonna have Truba playing a lot, Lindgren and, and Miller. And you can kind of plug in different guys and they're in, in the roles that you want, right? Like in offensive situations, you can put him out there. Maybe even Zach Jones, who I think should have arrived by now. And now now's his chance. He has to get it done now, or it's like he's an interesting cat to me. But you know, I, I'm rooting for him. He's a good kid. But it, it here's your chance. Like it's on a platter for you to show the rest of the league and your own organization what you can do. I I liked. I mean, I thought it was when when Gustafson stepped onto PP one. It was very apparent how much it was like, wow, you know, he was he was hyped for the opportunity. He was really yeah, he was flying. Yeah. He was he was flying out there as soon as he got a got a job with that group. And I, I would have liked to have seen Zach Jones get put right onto the power play, especially PP two, I'm saying, especially because Laviolette was quick to put Johnny Brodzinski. And with PP two, which I thought was very interesting. I know it was, it was, it was short lived, but you know, trust, right. It's, you can't defend if you're a liability, I don't care what the situation, unless you're down two already, you can't until you trust it. And that now's his chance to earn the trust credit to Drury, man. 825 is the cap hit for Gustafson. He had 42 points last year. And I'm, I'm cheating. I'm looking it up because I wasn't sure the exact number, but I mean, he had 35 assists. You get him for 800. Almost league minimum. There's a steal. Win. Yeah. An absolute steal. That's what's been most interesting about the Fox injury, though, is that you got to remember how much of the cap hit that now bringing up guys like Deming, uh, you know, the Hartford shuttle as, as essentially what it is, where the three guys get called up and then they get brought right back down and then right back up again. So the Rangers are playing that dangerous game with the salary cap as of right now, but they kind of need they have relief, though. They have relief. Exactly. From both those guys out. Exactly. And once the LTIR that ends, then it all kind of gets reset again. But yeah, the Rangers, I, again, you got to give Chris Jury credit here. You do. So besides all those injuries, the goalie situation, though, um, and Molly, you could probably test this as well, too, a little bit. Uh, now, Quick is hurt or not hurt, but he's nick- nicked up a little mm-hmm. bit. We're probably going to see Deming in net tonight. Do we have any update in terms of what the situation looks like? How much longer either... Uh, quick is going to be out for they don't ever give us timelines um igor is a day-to-day situation as is quick quick is an upper body injury situation they won't disclose what igor is dealing with um just classifying it as minor soreness which also makes me feel like it's a minor thing and he's been practicing with the team um the other day he was said to be a full go participant um, and at this point, I feel like they're just, you know, so long as things are going well and they're still putting things in the win, win column, uh, I don't see them rushing Igor back specifically. Um, obviously, Quick is 37. Uh, you got to take that into consideration um, in terms of longevity for the whole season, because that's going to be an important guy in April when they're getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, Igor Shosturkin has played, I, I just looked it up today, I think it's 28 of their last 32 playoff games or, or something like that. You know, he's he's their guy. He's 
their horse who they ride through the playoffs. So that's obviously way more important than uh, these games in November when this cushion that they've built for themselves is, is pretty significant. That being said, it's it's still early and it's a cushion that can evaporate pretty quickly. Um, but I feel like so long as it is still trending in an upward direction, they're not going to be rushing anybody back. And that includes Adam Fox, Filipino. We'll see after, you know, if they lose two quick ones, we'll see what happens. But I agree. That's right. the right mindset. I played with Louis and Pitt. Yeah. He had to come in. He's our number, thir- our number three. And, you know, Rangers fans remember that because we dominated that series. They had no <laughs> business beating us. <laughs> And Louis played Louis played really well. Give him a lot of credit. He uh the year before he didn't get a lot of games because of COVID. I got close with Louis during that little run we had. He came over. I was we were staying at JT Miller's house and uh, you know, cooking food. My family was back in Boston. It was great. And, you know, he just he went to work every day. Give him a lot of credit. He uh he's hanging in there and I hope he does really well. I know he I, I'm sure he will. He's uh, he's a gamer. Spicy pork and broccoli on the menu tonight. Yeah, that was <laughs> That's honestly, I would love to. Hilarious. I probably will sit down, especially if if you know he continues to play. Uh, I probably mm. will sit down with him and ask him about that night. And just to, just, I'm curious if he ever thought it was going to be as as big of a thing as it became. I, yeah, I don't think he did. But the funny thing is, he really does. He loves to cook, and he's oh, yeah. he's got all these different dishes. He's an interesting cat for sure. <laughs> yeah. He's a goalie, though, you know? Yeah, they're all a little weird, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, a little different. What's the adjustment like, though, Brian? And and I'm curious from a player standpoint, where you're constantly taking that trip up and down, and especially for Louie, who he's, he's a essentially a, a second backup now. Um, I don't know, you know, you never were a goalie. But, I mean, in, in terms of just trying to stay fresh and just, you know, there has to be a lot going on from behind the scenes in terms of your life just being adjusted back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, never knowing when you're going to start, when you're going to play, uh, when you're going to get called up. Um, that has to be hard to at least manage, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just you have to stay ready, and it's every day, right? That's what everybody says. It sounds kind of cliche, but no, like, this is your job, so – you get called in the office, hey, you're going up. All right, so you go up and you prepare and you play your best. You can't turn it on and off. It's every single day. You try, you're thinking about the game. You're thinking about how I can improve. What have I done poorly? What have I done well? What What were the games that I was really playing well? What did I do on those? Every, everything goes like that in your mind as an athlete. When you're getting called up and down, I mean, it's relatively close to training camp. A lot, you know, a few weeks ago was training camp and you get to know kind of everybody and you get to see familiar faces in both places. It's not a five-hour flight. It's a couple-hour drive up the road. Um, that makes it probably easier. And again, it's not as much systems that he has to play as a goalie. It's just reading off the system in front of you. And usually teams play the same system in the NHL and the American League to a different you know level of execution, obviously. But tendencies, you want to stay with one club and get their tendencies so you can provide and anticipate as best you can. Uh, you want to communicate with your defenseman on breakouts and rims and dumps because he's he shoots the other way, catches the other way, whatever they say. That might be a little bit of a difference, um, but it's just, it, it's small things like that, but a lot of small things like that can add up to big things unless you're prepared. If you prepare, it, it could be. The stat is Deming is set to become the first Rangers right-handed catching goaltender to play in a game for the team since Glenn Hanlon in 1982-83, That's a poll right there. Yeah, as soon as you said it, I was like, I just read this. It's a pretty crazy oh, stat. Wow. Yeah. Nice poll, yeah. <laughs> 
but now, so here's the other thing that, that I'm kind of curious about. Someone like Igor, Jonathan Quick, two phenomenal goalies who could start pretty much on any team. As a anyone else on the ice who plays for the Rangers, not Hartford or anything like that, um, is there a need to kind of step up your game knowing that, I mean, no slide against Louie, but I mean, knowing that you may want to bring a little extra more, a little, you know, extra force to your play, knowing that you have someone like Louie in there. Yeah, it's detailed, really. And people would say this a lot when Hank would come out, we'd play a different game in front of the other goalie. And, you know, you'd hear it a little bit and, you know, we'd be like, stop, you know, Hank gets enough attention. Like, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's let him have the day off. So I'm coming at we're getting yelled at for winning at the, like we, you know, Marty's in that or somebody's in the Cam Talbot's in that, and we're getting yelled at for winning. No, sometimes you play different because the goalie handles the puck more or less. He covers it more or less. It's just it's what it is. But usually, and back in those days when the starter would play sixty-five games, seventy games, sometimes it was like let's get let's get one for this guy, and you, you really lock it down, and you say we'll give up zero, one, maybe let's get this kid a shutout if we can. That was just an understanding. Like there wasn't a whole lot of chatter about that, if any. I don't remember talking about it. It wasn't a different mindset. It was just like we got to go because that guy's not bailing us out. We didn't. We didn't say that. I know that. I I certainly didn't think it. I watched our goalies every single day, and I had full confidence in them. Now some people would argue with me, and maybe the decor did have a chat saying, "Let's help them out tonight." Whatever it is, I don't know, but we didn't. And but for whatever reason, yeah, sometimes that risky play. It wasn't like, I'm going to try harder because you literally can't try harder. Everybody tries as hard as they can. It, it's, and I, I really hope fans understand this. It is extremely difficult to play really well in the NHL. And then it's even harder to do it seven out of 10 nights. And then the guys who do it every single night, well, they get paid $10 million. And that's why, because it's like impossible. And for a whole team to do it, it's nearly impossible. So we, we, we set out with the same mindset to try and play as good as we can because we know the opponent is very, very good, no matter what the record is. And when you have a backup in, you understand, like, a lot of times, especially back then, it was like we're playing against a, a team that's 12th in the conference. It's like, well, we better not friggin' lose to this team. I don't care who's in that. If I'm in that, we better not lose to this team. We got to win this. We got to win this game. A lot of that's the psychological stuff that coaches put on you on purpose. And for the right reasons, and the good coaches do it at the right times. Now the goalie split. If you you know if you get called up or whatever, and you're up a couple goals, you might try and feed a guy that's trying to get his first goal or whatever. But with the goalies, I, I you know for me anyways, we didn't pay too much attention to it. Just get back there and make the saves, please. Speaking about someone who's playing every night and bringing it every night, it's been about 15, 20 minutes into this podcast, and I'm just gonna we got to bring him up now because I'm I'm sorry I I cannot let the show go on any longer. Artemi Panarin. And look, he's his point he's streak now. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of good. Only, you know, a 12-game point streak, 20 points for the season on the total, which is third most in the league. He's got seven goals, 13 assists. Ranger fans, hockey fans, acknowledge him. Like, that's all I'm saying. This is now, this is peak Artemi in my mind, or at least it feels like peak Artemi, but like how much better can he possibly get? And you know, can he keep this up, Molly? Like, what's what's been the feeling around the team? Just like just watching this, what's going on right now with him? Yeah, I mean, you ask anybody about it, and it's just, it's just, yep, that's that's our Timmy. That's that's what he does. That's what he can do. Um, and we talked about it earlier in the season. He's just, he looks lighter. He looks unburdened by playoff pressure and you know expectations and. And maybe maybe the haircut really did let him let him shed all that. Uh, but he 
and it was funny because somebody tried to ask him about his own play and then how well he's been doing. And he looked right at them and was like, it's a win for the team, two points for the team. Yeah, he did not take the bait. Um, it's early. Obviously, things can change on a whim. The streak could end on a whim, but with the way that he's operating, uh, he just he looks light. He's he's impactful every single night. Doesn't matter who's skating on his line, doesn't matter if it's Filipino, Vincent Trocek. Vincent Trocek, two goal game, looked great next to Artemi Panarin. You know, that's the guy who we obviously played with on two long separate stretches last season wasn't so great in the beginning but once he got that second shot he was pretty pretty spectacular so uh I didn't have any doubt that he would be able to pick that right back up um especially with the way that Artemi is playing right now it's just how how easy I don't know if easy is the word I want to use but how much fun maybe it must be for Vincent Trocek and Alexi Lafreniere to be playing off of that right now i'm curious actually brian what is you know when you are feeding off of somebody who's just operating at a higher level what what is that like <laughs> well there's, it's fun it's a lot of fun and you know what in my chemistry with line mates it was a lot different than what we're seeing right here it was this is translating into a lot of goals and points uh mine was at the other end of the rink but when we'd create but uh, i remember when we played me, Presti, and and Fedotenko, and we'd have shifts in, in the third period of a game we were up, and we just we had a, we knew where the other guy was going to be. We'd be in the other end for almost two minutes sometimes. I don't think we even looked to shoot a puck because we didn't want it to end, so we'd kill the clock, but the fans and the, the crowd was going nuts. I remember those shifts. It was the it was the most fun, and, and you'd get off the ice and be like, we probably could have thrown one at the net there, and they're like, no, 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 we're, we're not here to score, and but it was it was just like we knew where we were going. Everybody was going to be. The thing with Panarin that makes it probably hard, like you said, with Troach the first time, he does things that guys don't do. That's why you can't check him. It's it's a lot like Fox in that. Like where did he find that space and how did he contort his body to? It's not you know it's not blowing by you like a McDavid or even a Kreider who just can giddy up and go. He can move and he's he's agile, but he just finds pockets of ice. Where he looked like he's he's in a corner and you got he's got nowhere to go he's going to get rid of it and he doesn't and then he makes a tape to tape play instead of just a space play things like that always blow me away I've I've tried to keep watching and understand I know it's too late for me but I want to know still this is like it's driving me nuts sometimes even Fox like it just it drives me nuts uh, but you know you can't really say he hasn't lived up to I guess if he makes that much you, you, you expect postseason success. And, but it's just like his numbers every single year, he, he brings it. So it's nice to see if, if the streak ends, if it doesn't, whatever, it's nice to talk about. It's good to see that he's in good form, but I mean, again, he's going to have to bank and win. So they get in a good spot for the postseason. but that's when it's going to really, really matter. And, well, you know, hopefully he's played with enough guys now, no matter what the lineup is, you could plug him in anywhere and they're going to ride that horse. And, and Lavi's good with that too. Like we talked about a few times at how he motivates and how he, you know, he empowers guys. He really, really does. So even if you're not going, he'll get you going with, with just what he says and how much you can tell that he, he cares. So hopefully when, when they hit a rough patch, if they do, I think every team needs to not on purpose, but you kind of see that character and those guys come out of it. He's one of them that, you know, the spotlight's going to be on him game one of playoff time. That's my, Biggest 
I guess, defense of Artemi Panarin whenever, you know, the playoffs come up and yes, legends, everything that you leave behind is probably cemented in playoffs. But that being said, and I've said it on this show many, many times and many other shows, many, many times, the Rangers do not get to the playoffs without Artemi Panarin with the way that he's played since he signed in New York. They simply do not. That is how vital he has been to their cause the last few seasons and the production that he has put up on a consistent basis for the Rangers every single regular season. So yes, do you want more production in the playoffs? Do you want all of that to translate in the postseason? Yes, of course, but that does not diminish what he does for the Rangers during the regular season. And this is just another season. Yeah. Well, don't forget example. what he did game seven, two years ago too. broke my heart, but that's a lot. That's, that's several million dollars going into Mr. Dolan's pocket. Get just getting into another round of the playoffs, score a game overtime game winner. And you know, he was, he was fine two years ago. You want him to be, you know, you saw Mika a couple of years ago. And then if you have two or three of those guys, you know, watch out, but I, it's there. I, I think he's going to be there. They're a scary team. They are. Uh, everybody in the East should be scared. They're not the only scary team, but they're a scary team. Well, one could say the Rangers are for realsies. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like you hey, said, I was on business side that year, too, because I couldn't believe oh. we lost. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's People yelled at me when I played in New York. We got we got to get it. We oh, got to yeah. get him on here. Especially we really that, do. I mean, that guy's busier than Maybe. I than five kids. <laughs> well, he yeah. finally came around. I think yeah. I... I was gonna say, I think I think he'd come on a Rangers podcast if given the invite. I feel like he just wouldn't be able to say no. <laughs> Have to stay tuned for that. Maybe that could be a fun little crossover. But uh, speaking of coming up, we're gonna talk about uh, another guy who the Rangers couldn't get to the playoffs with without. And uh, Brian can speak to that wholeheartedly. It's the great Henrik Lundqvist, and uh, he's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame this weekend. And we're gonna talk about some memories from Hank. It's coming up next. I got to fight every time I do something, so figured he should probably have to answer for it too, but uh, he didn't feel that way with not me, with anybody. All right, back here on the podcast, and it's a big weekend for one of our favorite goalies, your favorite goalies, I'm assuming, if you're listening to the podcast as well too. Henrik Lundqvist, the sixth all-time winningest goaltender of the NHL, is being inducted into the Hall of Fame on this Monday. And it's it's uh, it's an honor that obviously anyone would love to take and, and have and hold. And Hank had his number retired last year at the Garden. But this is going to be something special on Monday. And as someone who watched pretty much his whole career, it sucks that we didn't get that real proper Rangers send off. You know, he went to the Caps and then obviously never played. But um, this will be a bittersweet kind of thing to see. And, you know, it's it's one of those where it's like it's. It's the end of my childhood, man. Like you, you're seeing Hank up there taking his rifle place amongst some of the greatest players of all time. Brian, you got to play with him, and I can only imagine the stories and the memories you have. What's your overall lasting impact of Henrik Lundqvist as a player, as a leader? Yeah, you just said it. As a leader, right? You, you know, goalies. When you're younger, you're, a lot of teams would just slap the C on the goalie or tell, say the goalie's a captain. It just kind of avoided any other, you know, in youth hockey and coming up in high school or whatever, but. He was such a hard worker. He was, and he still is. I mean, look at him now. He's, he's doing so well. And nobody, you know, that doesn't surprise anybody. But, you know, as a teammate and as a person, I guess I'll start there. He was phenomenal. And because he was demanding, but he was most demanding of himself. And it was it was crazy to watch his work ethic. 
And that's where the leadership came in. I got to shoot on him. You know, my first few years I would shoot, you know, you grab two or three guys, usually guys that probably didn't play so much, you know, aren't eating up a lot of minutes looking for some extra work. And I remember how fast he would do the goalie drills. And if it wasn't perfect, he would do it again. So we'd be out there and he was cutting into practice at times because he wanted to make it right. Uh, I'm sure if you're bringing on anybody that was backing him up, they'll say the same things at how hard he worked, how hard he pushed them to be better. You saw a couple guys play under him as, as young players and go sign elsewhere and have good careers. Cam Talbot comes to mind, but I mean, just, he's a, he's a generous man. He, he has all these accolades and all-star games and he's going in the hall of fame, which is hundred percent deserved, obviously. And he traded all to win a Stanley cup. That's what he wanted. That's the only thing he wanted to do was win. He didn't want any goals to go in on him. Didn't matter if it was at 11 o'clock uh, up in Terrytown at the practice rink or, you know, in, in, a, in the Stanley Cup finals. It didn't matter. It was the same competitiveness always that never turned off. And it opened my eyes as a younger player when I came to New York, how this is, this is how you get success. This is what it looks like. And there's no shortcut. Everyone has talent. And this is the work ethic is what separated him. And he literally did it as hard as he possibly could for as long as he possibly could. And that is, you know, hopefully he, when he goes to bed every single night and wakes up every morning, he's proud of what he accomplished because, you know, I'm just, I'm really, really thankful to be able to call him a teammate. And he did finally text me back actually. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Well, he remembers me too, which is nice. (laughs) You certainly saved his bacon a few times on on some plays and, you know, vice versa. But it, it, it like you mentioned the competitiveness here. Like, obviously, Hank is an extremely attractive dude, always well-dressed, looking good. When he'd walk into, like, the locker room dressed like that, would you guys just go, what the hell, man? Like, can 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 you, like, give a like a day off, like, have a hair out of place or something like that? It was. It was odd. I'm like, you know, it's Tuesday morning and you're, putting your shoes back on after practice with a shoehorn because they're these fancy (laughs) shoes and you can't just slide them on and off. Like, you know, I got Nikes for days, but I don't have, I can't even pronounce what he's wearing. Um, He had a, a day where he came in in Lulu sweatpants, which we were like, what is going on with Henrik? Is everything all right? We went into Rammer. We're like, Rammer, what the heck, what's going on here? What's the deal? He's like, well, you guys always give me a hard time about my, I'm dressing up. So I tried to, we're like, no, no, don't, don't, don't. You, you freaked us all out. We thought something was terrible, like terrible was happening. Um, but it, I remember one day he wore sweatpants one day. That's it. And most days he'd be getting dressed. Oh, I have this thing here in the city. I got to go do there. I'm playing my band here. I'm like, you can't say anything because you just worked harder than anybody else. You got here earlier. You're leaving with me, which is usually last because I just was lazy and like to chat. It's just, it was, it was tremendous to see all the things he could take on, but yeah, he, I, I can't, I don't know how many closets he had. I should have asked him that. How many closets do you have? Like four walk-in closets just for you? Like he got two daughters and, and a wife and he probably I guarantee he has the most closet space. Did you guys see the uh, cologne commercial that MSG has been, been pumping for them? <laughs> I haven't seen it. He told me it was dropping. Uh, I think when I saw him, I don't know if it was in the cup finals or if I saw him in the fall, oh no, it was in the fall. It was at the alumni golf thing that we didn't end up playing because it was rainy. He was, uh, I told him he smelled good. He goes, it's dropping tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, of course it is. Dos Equis, man. No, I mean, the commercial is the most James Bond-esque 
I gotta like no, you have to watch it. Yeah. It is and they they broadcast it on the MSG Jumbotron every game, first of all, which is also just just to give you an idea of of how much this man has given to <laughs> Madison Square Garden. We're gonna make fun of him for it. I gotta get a good yeah. check on. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. They're pumping that up. <laughs> but oh that commercial is so funny. He might as well be James Bond. Like they might as well just cast him as James Bond in the next movie. It kind of is though. He is. Of hockey. He, he is as advertised, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like we 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 certainly all appreciated him for what he did on the ice, but we loved him as a teammate too. And well, and just to go off of that, he appreciated his teammates as well. I go back, my most significant Henrik Lundqvist memory growing up watching the team was when Zuccarello was traded and that first scrum that he did, he could not get through it. The man was crying. The most emotional situation I've ever seen unfold in a, in a hockey locker room ever. And I just, that, I, I can't even tell you how many times I watched it. It just, it stuck with me so much of how much he cared about Zuccarello. And obviously he was not a fan of the way that the Rangers treated him on his way out, which was also understandable. I just thought that was so moving and so raw and real. What do you remember from that whole sequence, Brian? I, I just remember, like, I knew they were very, very close and that's hard, but it's not just that you, your buddy's leaving. It's like... We're punting on this season. Yeah, that and too. Probably next year too. And that for a guy like Hank, okay, all my friends are gone and we're gonna we're gonna try to lose. Like what's going on? Not try to lose, obviously, but he's like we and for him, he never really said it, but it's like, look at what he just has done for you for a decade and a half almost. You know, maybe they didn't consult with him, but the, you know, management's gonna do what they're gonna do. It's going to come from the very top, I think. But that's a really hard pill to swallow when it's like, we're not making the playoffs. Like, what? And I'm at this age, and we were so close just a year or two ago, and now we're this? What, what happened? And it wasn't on him. It wasn't his fault. It just, It's just kind of how the, the, the course was run. It was just, that was it. And, you, you know, Girardi gets older. Stahl gets older. There's, you know, there's trades, there's buyouts, and then there's, you know, the young guys. You just We went for it so many times, you don't have the draft capital, and it's just like you can't replenish, so we need to take a step back. And, yeah, it's, it looks pretty good right now, and it's, I'm not saying it was the wrong play by any means, but it's hard. It was, it was definitely hard for the guys that stuck it out in there. You know, he gave everything. He was going to keep going, too, and I, I can understand it. I got traded out of Tampa, and I was in the airport calling my wife, being like, I ain't going. I, I'm done. It was like... When you care that much and you were so close and you thought you had more time, I didn't know what was going to happen in my career after that. Part of it's that too. It happens when guys go through a lot together because it's so hard, like I mentioned. And it happens when you start to realize maybe that's the first inkling, like the end is near. And it's interesting. I mean, I'll, I'll speak from it as someone that, that watched you guys play and whatnot. And as fans of, of hockey and, and, and the Rangers, you root so hard for specific players and for specific teams. And there was nothing more as a native New Yorker, as a diehard Rangers fan that you wanted to see you guys lift the cup, but it was, we wanted to also see Hank lift the cup because you know, you, you got guys like Don Mattingly played for the Yankees and you wanted to see Donnie baseball win the championship. It, it felt like the same thing with Hank. And that's where I, I say it's bittersweet because 
we didn't get to see him lift it. Now, again, who knows? Maybe in the future he'll be head coach and assistant and, and you know, maybe we'll get to see him lift it wearing one of his uh, fancy Armani suits or something like that. But um, it'll be an awesome honor to see him go in on Monday. You mentioned James Bond and the first thing that came to mind was James Bond's cars. And I know Hank used to drive a Lambo. Brian, you, you you mentioned something off air, and I, I kind of want to hear the story now where, where you guys kind of went to town on his Lambo or, or you, you you got on him about it. No, he just I thought I, I could have sworn I said this, but I'll say it again. He had a he had a gray Lambo and he had some detail work done to it and he had it at the shop. So he took his Maserati to practice that day or whatever it was. Oh, oh the Maserati. <laughs> and so a couple days later, in comes the Lambo again. and It's got all black lettering on it. It's got some black accents. The wheels are all black now and looks really good. You get a little closer to the back of it where it says Lamborghini in cursive. It's, it says it says Lundquist in cursive. <laughs> and we're all like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you can't just say nothing. So we're like, oh, cool car, cool car, Hank. Nice. And then we all got like thick white hockey stick tape and put like a couple strips stacked on top of each other on the back of our cars and a block letter wrote our names <laughs> <laughs> and we're you know we're beeping the horn and waving see you hank yeah and we're driving oh out with God. our names on the back which was so stupid too because we're just driving around new york with our own names on the back of our car but i gotta know was it your full name or just boy no no just yeah just our uh Can you imagine just our Bri- last name brian's like, car oh. written yeah, on the right. brian's car <laughs> But uh, I think G might have put Lundquist on his too. But it was, uh, and then he came back into the training room. He's like, "Why can't you guys just leave me alone? Why does God? Oh. So Come on, that's like, too easy gonna, though. At that point, you better stop because yeah. it's going to get worse if you don't stop. <laughs> it's not like you're replacing Lamborghini with Lundquist is a bad thing. No, no. <laughs> so in goes the Lambo in the shop. In goes the Lambo in the shop. Scrape off Lundquist, put Lamborghini back on it, and away we go. He changed Aww. it. He changed it back. Oh my, oh god. my god! He was probably mortified. <laughs> no, he's he, he. Well, so he contends that he didn't ask him. The guy did it to him, thinking he'd mm. love it as a favor, and I'm sure he liked it at first. He didn't. Maybe like he it didn't even he notice. He noticed. Oh, he knew. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe sometime in the future, we'll have Hank on. We'll have to bring up some memories of like getting razzed in the locker room about that. But we're gonna close up the episode next on Up in the Blue Seats. You know, any 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 start where you get two points, right? You're just uh, you're trying to get wins and you know climb the standings, right? That's what every team's trying to do, and you know we're the same. And that'll put a bow on episode 131 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. But before we get out of here, we got to give out some stars. Let's uh, let's go with you, Boiler, first. Who you got? Number one star of the week. I got Trochi, Vincent Trocek. He's uh, he's fitting in nice. Playing with the bread man a little more. Molly, you're telling me it didn't work last year at times. Uh, but he's got to be that complimentary guy. You got Mika, and obviously the bread man's lighting it up. Cries is doing what cries does, and then you need a, you need another wave of that. And uh, I just I like his week. I like Coach as a player. I like his finish, just flying down all deceptively, looking like he's not skating fast, blown by guys, and a nice finish uh, off the post and in. I think he does so many things well. He's strong as an ox. He's going to be huge come playoff time. Larry said he liked my use of double dipped after the Detroit game. Double dipped had an even strength goal and a power play goal. You know, just throwing it all all at the net. I'm gonna go with Eric Gustafson because I think Rangers fans should be 
counting their lucky stars that they've got a guy like Eric Gustafson to step in next to Lindgren, top of the power play. Uh, it's a different look, but it's still a pretty good look so far. You got the Gus bus and the Trooper train. I'm telling you, this, this team's going to be firing on all cylinders come playoff time. My third star, it's going to be Chris Kreider. And past Andy Bathgate, taking over control for fourth most all-time goals in Rangers franchise history, which is wild to think about. And, Bridesdale. Uh, He's yeah. Bridesdale. He's Bridesdale. There, there. Oh, uh, that's a good one. what you did there. All forms of transportation that's, have been covered. Plus trains and horses. I love to see it. Horse-drawn uh, carriage. Horse you guys <laughs> never heard the cries of the before? Never no. Heard the no, I like that. I like Ooh, it, too. Oh, <laughs> we'll absolutely take that. Well, he'll certainly be passing Adam Graves for third all-time, uh, who's at 280. So, again, hats off to Chris Kreider. Congratulations. And honorable mention to Buffy Bidrew for the child. So that's awesome, too, which I know Brian can probably test. We love babies on this podcast. We, we yeah. do. We do. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, many thanks to Jake Brown for helping produce the show. You can catch up on all episodes of the podcast by subscribing to the Blue Seats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching us right now on the Near Post YouTube page, be sure to give us a thumbs up, like below, comment below. Does the current wave of injury concern you with the Rangers, or do you think everything will be fine? It looks fine now, so we should be. You can also follow us on Twitter, X, you know, Molly Walker, that's two E's, two R's, and Brian Boyle. For Brian Boyle, Molly Walker, I'm Andrew Hartz. We are back next week with another episode of the podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, tune in, check it out. LGR. Talk to you next week. Later.